My name is Adam, and um, together with uh, literally millions around the world, I get to tell you the story of the day when the world changed. When a man named Simon is forced from the crowd, a cross is laid across his back, and he has to be mortified at this moment. Because for for Rome, the cross, and for even people of the first century, the cross was a hateful, blunt instrument of shame and and fear and control. Simon is forced to to carry this, this horrific instrument of death to a place outside the city called the place of the skull. In Latin, it's Calvary. The rough planks are thrown to the ground, and as Jesus is stretched out on it, Nails are driven through his hands and feet, holding him in place. Two others receive the same treatment and are raised with him on his right and left. Even as the hammer falls, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Soldiers have to hang around until death occurs, and usually when you're hung on a cross, death would take several days to happen. So they settle in and begin to gamble for what few possessions the criminals have. All the while, crowds of people gather around and scoff and shout insults. A sign is placed above Jesus' head, naming him as the king of the Jews. One of the men on the cross next to Jesus cries out to him and says, If you're the Messiah, save yourself and us too. And Jesus miraculously responds, assuring him a place in paradise. Then nature itself turns away, and everything goes dark. It's as if the heavens and the earth can't bear to watch. And the curtain in the temple, this this famous, massive, huge curtain, uh, a curtain that separated God from man, is torn in half from top to bottom. As Jesus pulls against the nails, holding him in place, struggling to capture one last breath, he says, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And scripture says that these words, those at the foot of the cross, realize Jesus' innocence and everyone leaves in deep sorrow. It would have been normal to leave a body on the cross for weeks at a time as a, as a sign of shame and humiliation. But a good man named Joseph goes to Pilate and asks for Jesus' body. And unexpectedly, Pilate gives permission. And so on a Friday afternoon, Jesus' body is lowered from the cross and is laid in a new tomb and sealed with a stone. And there it rests. Until a very early on Sunday morning, Women go to the tomb to put spices on the corpse, but when they arrive, they find that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. And suddenly, two men in dazzling white appear, asking the women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 6, it says, the men speak to the women, he isn't here. He is risen. From the dead. On a tiny uh, island in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, there lives a simple carpenter. I want to introduce him to you today. 
I think I have a picture of him. This is Franco Tusio. Franco lives on the island of Lampedusa. How many of you have ever heard of Lampedusa before? My wife raised her hand because she's heard this teaching already. <laughs> Maybe uh, Lee and Kathy, you, can, you guys can plot the course. I want to show you where Lampedusa is. It's that tiny little square just south of Sicily and just north of Libya and Tunisia. It, it's actually an Italian island, but it's actually it's closer to North Africa than it is to Italy. Uh, Lampedusa is known as the gateway to Europe because it is the first European soil. There's the, the, the symbolic gateway on the shores of Lampedusa. It, it's the first European soil you would strike if you went north from Africa. And uh, it would be an amazing uh, tourist destination uh, if you've never been. There's, there's beaches, there's beautiful Mediterranean weather, and, and everything would be, be perfect for a tourist destination except for one thing. For nearly a decade, the island of Lampedusa has gone by another name. It is known as the Island of Death. Go ahead and show that next image. Forced out by war and poverty and persecution, literally millions of people over the last decade have fled Somalia and Eritrea and sub-Saharan Africa in a desperate bid to reach safety in Europe. Last year alone, 150,000 immigrants, refugees arrived in Italy by sea. 150,000. That's actually down from uh, 2015 when 170,000 arrived. And their first stop, the first European soil they meet is where? You guessed it the tiny island of Lampedusa, who only has 6,000 inhabitants. It's an incredibly perilous journey for those fleeing. Literally crammed onto anything that will float, many have lost their lives on the journey. This month last year, this, in this exact month this last year, 800 people drowned when a single boat sank just off the shore of Lampedusa. Lampedusa fishermen uh, fear going out at night. They're afraid of finding more bodies. On more than one occasion, I showed you a picture of the public beach. The beaches on Lampedusa have been closed due to the bodies of men and children and even pregnant women washing ashore. No one knows how many for sure, but hundreds, likely thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people have drowned or drowned each year in a desperate bid for freedom. And some headlines have reported that there is not enough room on Lampedusa for the living or the dead. So on a Sunday in 2011, as he sat in church, haunted by the thoughts of the bodies he had carried himself from the shore and surrounded by refugees who filled the church, crying for the loved ones who have drowned, Franco Tusio, a simple carpenter made a decision to stop making furniture. Instead, he goes down to the beach and begins collecting the blistered, brightly colored driftwood from the wreckage of migrant boats. Not knowing how to help, 
not knowing what to do with the scores and scores and scores of refugees landing on their shores, not knowing how to deal with with the death and the suffering he was seeing from the wreckage, Franco Tuccio began to make simple crosses. I think I have an image even. He made simple crosses to give to the refugees as a sign of dignity and hope. When the Pope came to visit Lampedusa and see the crisis for himself, the Pope actually goes to Franco's uh, uh, workshop and asks Franco to, to make a special cross for the Catholic Church, for the special cross for the Pope to carry. And now if you travel throughout Europe, in each of the churches throughout Europe, there is a simple colored wooden cross made by Franco. They're known simply as Lampedusa crosses. Amidst the chaos and crisis and pain and suffering and death, I, I, I see Franco searching desperately for, for something to hold on to, something to, to, uh, to, to make sense of the chaos around him. And in that desperate moment, he finds only one symbol is able to speak to all everything that he's seeing, and it is the symbol of the cross. Today, if you uh, go into the British Museum of Art, surrounded by priceless works of art, is one of Franco's crosses. I think I actually have a picture of it. Stationed right inside, right as you come in the front doors of the British Museum of Art, this is the first image symbol you encounter. A Lampedusa cross carved by Franco, carved from the wood of a capsized boat that resulted in 366 lives lost. When people enter this museum, even today, and stand before the simple cross, many begin to break down in tears. I think there's something about the cross that just kind of makes sense. This simple, this simple figure resonates in a deep way within each and every one of us. And, and part of the reason on this day above any other day, churches around the world are filled is, filled is because the cross is, is something we all just kind of get. And that's interesting because it was never intended to be this way. The, the cross was, was never intended to be a unifying force. It was, it was certainly never designed to be, a, be worn as a charm or a piece of jewelry. It was a symbol of, of torture and triumph and domination developed by Rome to hold down and oppress. When Roman slaves uh, began a revolt led by a guy you might have heard of, a guy named Spartacus... Spartacus led a, a group of slaves in a huge revolt against Rome. Rome decided to make an example of Spartacus and his army and crucified 6,000 men, women, and children and spread them out on crosses every 40 yards over a distance of 75 miles. It was a message that you don't mess with Rome. 
Even in Jesus' lifetime, there's a revolt when he's a young boy in Galilee, and 4,000 Jews are crucified in his area. Not much later in, uh, in Jerusalem, when Jerusalem eventually falls to Rome, in around A.D. 70, a million Jews die at that time. One million. The majority of them are hung on crosses and hung from the walls of Jerusalem all the way around the city. So many men, women, and children are placed on Roman crosses that there is not a tree in the area for miles and miles around, and they have to import wood. You see, the cross was designed by the Romans as a blunt instrument. It was an instrument of terror and torture and subjugation. Yet when Jesus is placed on the cross... A completely different message emerges. On the cross, we see a God who is not somewhere else. On the cross, we somehow we we see a God who is not somehow absent from our struggles, but a God who enters in, enters into the pain and wreckage of our lives. In the cross, we discover the love of God. He hasn't abandoned us to pain and death, but through the sacrifice of his fully human son, he enters into it, even taking our place. I love that Franco, in the the midst of all of this crisis and all of this chaos of his world and all of this death and all of this pain and all of this suffering, he extends small crosses to each refugee, not to inflict pain, but to somehow say, I get it and I understand. It's the cross no longer is a symbol of inflicting pain, but somehow identifying with it, of saying, I share it, I share your pain, and to send a simple and yet powerful message that says, you are not alone in your pain. In the cross, we meet Emmanuel, which means, what does it mean? God with. At its purest and simplest form, one who is innocent out of the deepest love imaginable gives his life so that others might live. Not only does the cross, in the cross we see a God who is, who is near, a God who is willing to, to share our struggles and pain, but, but we find a God who is willing to offer us new life. The cross reminds us that our story, this story is not over. It reminds us that resurrection is possible. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And as Franco extends that, that simple cross to these refugees, he's saying, I identify with your pain. I share it, and there's a God that shares it too. But there's also the hope, the promise of new life 
in the, in the cross, Jesus extends an invitation of new life, even to the criminals on the cross. If you look carefully in Scripture, even as the criminals mock him, what does Jesus extend to them? As they're nailing him down, he offers forgiveness for everyone there. He prays for forgiveness. And then even to the criminals, he says, even today you will be with me in paradise. And with the words spoken from an empty tomb, he is risen. We see that the power of sin and suffering and and pain is, is... is undone. The power of death is undone. The power of the cross to to terrorize and torture and to kill and to subjugate is defeated. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and guess what? You're invited to belong to it. You don't have to know much about the theory of cooking to enjoy a good meal. You don't have to, to have, a, have some sort of technical ability and understand flavors and, and, and how they all work together to enjoy good food, right? We can all sit down to a meal and enjoy it without knowing how it's prepared, And in the same way, you may not understand all the theology and theory of faith and Christianity, but each and every one of you can receive and enjoy what God has to offer through the cross of Jesus Christ. God wants to do for you what he did for Jesus on Easter morning. Do you believe that? feel like seldom does God offer an explanation for the pain and suffering we, we feel. And so instead of an explanation, what does he offer? He offers his presence. He offers to be there with us. To remind us that we are not alone. That he has not abandoned us. And in the cross, we are, op- we, we are offered this, this deep truth that there is a hope beyond this moment that new life is possible that he is risen and this new life is extended and offered to everyone in just a few moments we're going to give you a time to uh, to share in communion together the lord's supper and if you're a guest with us uh, on the tables are elements of communion there are uh, uh, there are cups with juice, and there is, there is a simple bread on the table. These are elements symbolizing the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, the cup symbolizes his blood that was poured out for us. The bread symbolizes his body that was broken for us. And as we take communion, we remember his sacrifice. We remember that he took our place for us, and we celebrate his life. And as you take communion, I'm just going to invite you to stand before the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Almost as, as people that come into that British Museum of Art simply stand before the cross and just kind of know and just kind of get it and feel the full weight of what it symbolizes. I want you to stand before the cross and consider all that God has done for you and respond. Maybe it is to ask forgiveness or accept the gift of salvation. Maybe it is to, to simply share a struggle, a pain, or to, if you're ready to give your life to Christ, accept the gift of he has to offer through baptism. The cross for each and every one of us reminds us that new life is possible, and maybe today you've been stuck in that rut, you've been stuck in that same place, you, you feel desperate for something new, and the cross offers that to you this morning. To help you visualize that, we want to give you uh, crosses. So when you go to the table, there'll be men there uh, handing out simple crosses. Um, our trustees would not let me buy a ticket to Lampedusa to get uh, individual crosses for you. I just said, hey, I just need to go to the Mediterranean Sea and get some crosses. What's the big deal? They said something about money. I don't know. Um, we were, however, able to... Um, procure for you today crosses uh, from Bethlehem made out of simple olive wood. And so as we hand out uh, these crosses, as you enter into this time of communion, I, I just invite you to spend a few moments sharing together. Really, we think this time is a time to share who Jesus is and what he has done. And, and maybe as you hold these simple crosses Ask each other the question, what does the cross of Jesus Christ mean to you? And I know for some of you in this room, frankly, I, I, just because I know you and I know your story, I know the answer to that question is I don't know. But I invite you to listen to the words of others. I invite you to consider, again, the cross of Jesus Christ. And share with each other what it means. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, the weight of your son's sacrifice for us is, uh, it's, it's frankly, God, I just confess, it's just hard for us to imagine. But God, we know from your word that you loved us so much that you were willing to sacrifice your one and only son so that those who believe in you wouldn't perish but would have life. And so, Father God, I ask um, for the power of the cross, for the power of Easter to be present in our lives this morning. I, I, I ask that the work of Easter morning of what happened that morning would continue here, now, in this place as we gather around the cross. Father God, some of us come with unimaginable pain and suffering. And so, Father God, we need you to be with us. We need to be reminded of your comfort and your presence in our lives. And Father God, some of us have just been stuck in dead-end places. And, and we, need, we need the new life you kind of promised. Father God, some of us just need a second chance to be forgiven. So, Father God, I pray as we gather around these crosses and these tables, as we remember your son, 
that you would do a work in us. That we would enter into the true meaning of Easter, that's, that somehow we would embody it in deep ways and that we would share that meaning with each other. Father God, this day, this moment, this life is only possible through your son, Jesus Christ. We offer this prayer in his name and everyone together says, Amen.